the message from Connection Community Church for Easter Sunday, April 4th, 2010. Return to Eden, Resurrection. So the claims of these first century Christians weren't really anything new. Everybody's God had risen from the dead. What makes ours so special? Well, good morning, Connection Church. Happy Easter. We are so blessed to be able to worship together. Amen. So this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that we gather together to celebrate our risen Lord. And today is the day that we conclude our series called Return to Eden. And today we're returning to Eden through resurrection. I'm Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you poured your love out for us. And you showed us that through dying for us. You were dying to show us your love. And so we thank you for gathering us together here this morning. We thank you for the grace and for the love that you so lavishly dump on us each and every day. And now, O oh God, I ask that you open up each one of our hearts wherever we are on our journey. Open up our hearts so that we might experience you in a, in a tangible way. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, the risen Christ, and we pray all this in your name. And all of connection said, Amen. Amen. And so the idea of God's being raised from the dead was not uncommon for many of the religions in the area. And so it's kind of interesting that the followers of Jesus living in that area, probably being familiar with this, even his closest followers were not really expecting Jesus to resurrect from the dead. You know, after he was arrested and tried on Holy Thursday and after he hung on the cross and died and was buried on Friday, they thought it was over. They thought it was over. Resurrection was very, very, very far from their minds. Well, listen to what we find in the Bible. In the book of Luke, it's in the New Testament, here's Luke's description of what happened on Easter morning. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in claws that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces on the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee. 
The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and, and others with whom uh, uh, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And so the women went to the tomb that morning expecting to anoint the body of Jesus, the dead body of Jesus, with spices. And when they got to the tomb, they found it empty. And they were surprised, and they wondered what had happened. Well, they went back to tell the 11 disciples who didn't believe them, didn't believe their story at all. And that's how much they were not expecting the resurrection. And so Peter, we, we've got to love Peter, don't we? When Peter ran to the tomb, he saw the linen cloths lying there, empty, no body, and he still went away wondering what happened. This whole resurrection thing still wasn't making any sense. So then we have to wonder, when did it start to make sense? Well, when did the followers of Jesus begin to understand this resurrection and what it meant? Later, in the same chapter of Luke, chapter 24, we read where a couple of guys were on the road to Emmaus later that day, later that Easter day. They were followers of Jesus. They, they were discussing the events leading up to and including uh, the death of Christ and, and even that, the empty tomb that morning. And they were joined on the road by uh, a guy who, well, it turned out was the risen Christ. They, did, they didn't uh, recognize him at first. They didn't know who he was, but later on recognized him when he hung around a little longer and broke bread with them. They recognized him in the breaking of the bread. And they shared this. They shared this recognizing Jesus with, with the 11 disciples. And as they did that, the risen Christ himself came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Amen. Well, the disciples were startled and they were frightened as if they'd seen a ghost. Yet Jesus told them he was not a ghost, telling them to touch him, to touch him since a ghost didn't have flesh and bones. Just touch him. In other words, he wasn't a a shadow of some spirit, but he was truly resurrected. Truly resurrected, fully embodied. And Jesus showed his disciples his hands and his feet. And they still were wondering and they still continued to disbelieve And so Jesus asked them for something to eat because ghosts can't eat. And so he asked them for something to eat. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he ate it. And then they were reminded, he reminded them that this was just the fulfillment of what was written in the scriptures. Well, later on in the book of Acts, that's that's a book also written by Luke, kind of like 
Luke part 2, we read where after his death, Jesus presented himself to his followers in many different settings over a 40-day period. He talked to them about kingdom of God things. On one occasion, as they shared a meal, he told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait until the gift that the, they got the gift that the Father had promised, the promise Jesus had told them about before he died. He told them that John had baptized with water, but that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When they met together for the last time, they asked Jesus a really interesting question. They said, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? That is an interesting question, isn't it? Well, he told them that knowing the time was his father, God's business, not theirs, but that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit and then they would be his, Jesus' witnesses in places like Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and, by the way, to the ends of the earth. Amen. That's why we're here today. Because that's what they actually did. Well, after this, Jesus was, was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. That question they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? Well, that's a very powerful question. These followers of Jesus knew that the world was broken and in need of repair, and they looked to God to put it all back together. They were also aware of being God's chosen people and and part of that nation of Israel, which in, in, in reality was no longer. It had fallen many years previous. And, and so they looked forward today to that day when their nation, when Israel would be reestablished like it was in its heyday under King David. Well, Jesus, on the other hand, when he talked about God's kingdom, when he talked about restoration, he wasn't just talking about the nation of Israel, but of all people, of you, of me, all of us who live who have gone east of Eden, that place far from God, that place where we stray, where we separate ourselves from God. And actually, as we return to Eden, as we are restored in God, we can only do that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus talked about this earlier in his ministry. It was a time when he was with his disciples and he was doing some teaching and his disciples asked him, Lord, how do we pray? And Jesus responded with some words that you might know. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How? On earth as it is in heaven. You see, living kingdom lives right here on this earth You know, doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven is what Jesus was talking about at this point in Luke, not just the restoration of Israel. 
And so you must, now it must have been a real challenge for these followers of Jesus to even consider following him and pledging their lives to this new world he offered here on earth. Consider the backdrop against which they're living. As Ron Bell shared earlier at the video there at the beginning of the message, they lived in the Roman world. That's the backdrop. That's a part of their everyday lives, ruled by Caesar Augustus. And he claimed to be the son of the Roman God. He claimed to be Lord. Caesar felt he was called to bring peace and prosperity to the world. The term, uh, the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace. That was Caesar's idea. He believed that he was bringing a new and better world through his own power. Now, some of the followers of Jesus were looking to Jesus to bring about change in this way through through military and political power. They were looking for a warrior king like King David. Some believe that Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, was one of those who was looking for Jesus to use this kind of power to restore a broken world. The majority of Christ's followers, though, believed that the world was made better, not through a military and political power of Caesar, that kind of power, but it was made better through servanthood, through serving, and especially through serving those who were ill-equipped to serve themselves, the least, the last, and the lost, serving one another rather than ruling over one another was this new life that Jesus had taught them about. In the Roman world, if you didn't, if you didn't worship Caesar, if you did not claim Caesar as Lord, you could be crucified. Now the followers of Jesus, on the other hand, they took the risk and they claimed the crucified and risen Christ as their Lord, as their Savior. And so can you just imagine the people that came in contact with these guys who did and gals who claimed Jesus as Lord? I mean, they were given quite a challenge from these Christ followers. What should they believe? And who should they follow? Caesar, who believes that the world is saved through brute force, through military and political power? Or Jesus, who saves the world through loving acts of compassion and and generosity and invites you and me to do the same? Caesar, who executed Jesus on a cross? Or God, or God who raised Jesus from the dead? Who is Lord? Caesar or Jesus? Whose kingdom is more compelling? And so Jesus offered an invitation to a whole new way of living, a whole new life. And so these followers of his truly believed that the resurrected Jesus was actually alive and was therefore actually very much a part of their day-to-day lives. And as such, then, they would invite others to eat with them, to celebrate with them, to even suffer with them in the name of the risen Christ. 
And after seeing these Christ followers living out the life that Jesus challenged them with, the life that Jesus offered to them, a life in which they fed the hungry, cared for the lonely, and honored the poor, these these friends then would, would have to ask themselves tough questions like, is this Jesus really alive? Who is Lord? Who is it Caesar or Jesus is making a better world for us? Jesus or Caesar? And, and they would see right before their eyes that through these followers, Jesus was bringing about a whole new world. Not at some distant time and place in the future, but right here, right now. They could, in the terms we've been using these last few weeks, they could see a return to Eden through the resurrected Christ and then through the lives of his followers through whom Jesus was living. Well, the same is true for us today. Have you have you ever noticed some people just have something about them that is a little bit different? Have you ever noticed that some people are are filled or overflowing with something that you just want a piece of, that you just want a part of, that kind of sets them apart, that makes them different? You just go, hmm. They have this gentle spirit, this this spirit of, of compassion that really surpasses all understanding. They have this way about them that just lets you know that there's something special, so special about that person that, that you want it to. Have you ever come in contact with somebody like that? Somebody who, who doesn't have to come on so strong and somebody who has, doesn't have to confront people about how right they are and how wrong you are? Somebody who's not really out to prove anything. And so the people around them just wonder, how are they able to act this way? How are they able to rise above? And... These people just want to know what it is that fills them with this unquenchable hope that they have. And the simple, simple answer to that question is this. These people are filled with the living Christ. Pure and simple. They're filled with the living Christ. When you're around people like this, you just know that in some way you've been with Jesus. You just know that he must be alive to be of that much a part of their life. And you just know that he is living through them. These people, these Christ-filled people, through their compassion, through their generosity, the grace, the love that they extend, extend, extend to others. When we're around them, we just find ourselves believing that God hasn't given up on the world. God hasn't given up. That God is in process of returning us to this place, this perfect place, Eden. 
And that's the good news that we share this, this glorious Easter morning that God hasn't given up on the world. That God hasn't given up on you. God hasn't given up on me. The tomb is empty and there's this resurrection. There's this giant rescue plan in place, underway for you. And we can be a part of it. We can be a part of that. And it gets real personal at that point when we realize that we can be a part of it. That Jesus came to save you. That Jesus came to save me came to save Alan. He came to save us. And so we are able to turn from those things that grip us. To turn from our sin. From those things that have placed us in that far place. Those things that put us east of Eden in a place where we feel far from God. And it's through his resurrection that we can return. We can return. God wants to put this broken world back together. God wants to put your broken lives back together. Wants to return us whole. Whole. In order for that to happen, we each need to take a step. We need to take a step where we become aware that we need help. That we become aware that we need to be rescued. We can't do it on our own. We mess up. I mess up time and time again. We need to be returned. We need a savior. Hallelujah. And once we realize our need to be saved, once we realize this need for a savior... God uses us to put flesh and blood on this good news, on this gospel, on this resurrected Savior. You know, we all fall short. Can I get an amen to that? (laughs) Some real amens there. (laughs) You know, we all fall short. And uh, But the beautiful part is this, that broken and flawed people like you and me are invited to be the hands and feet of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ, who loves us just like we are, but way too much to let us stay that way. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so what makes our claims of the resurrected God so special, so unique, is that we're able to see the risen Christ all around us. All around us and through us, through others. I see the risen Christ through you. Because he lives in those who follow him. He lives through those who follow him. And likewise, when Jesus is a part of my life, a part of your life, others are able to see Jesus through us. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8. This is the message. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome in, 
in him, Jesus, in him, in whom he, Jesus, dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same in you that he did in Jesus bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be alive as Christ's. Amen. Okay, so here's a question. Here's a question for each one of us to consider today. If people only had your life to go by, If people only had your life to go by and they asked the question, has Jesus risen from the dead, what would the answer be? How would they answer? Has he? In other words, do people, do others see the risen Christ living through you? Our hope, our hope is that your life will help people say yes to that question. To that question, has Jesus risen from the dead? Our hope is that others will see that Jesus lives because he lives in you. Our hope is that you'll be able to say, I am all God calls me to be because Jesus lives in me. Yeah. Can you say it with me? He lives in me. Let's say it one more time. He lives in me. Let's shout it to the rafters. He lives in me. Yeah. Does Jesus live in you? Does Jesus live in you? When somebody sees you, are they able to see Jesus? Not you, but are they able to see Jesus? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, some of you do. And maybe some of you are wondering, what is that life all about? Who is this Jesus that resurrected from the dead? Who is this Jesus who people like these crazy people in this place are just shouting about? If you don't know him, today just might be your day. It might be your spiritual birthday because all you need to do, it's not that complicated. All you need to do is open yourself up and say, Jesus, I don't think I really get it, but I want you in my life. Lord, I've messed up. I can't do it all alone. I'm a sinner. I fall short. You know, you don't even have to say all those words. I'm sorry, Lord, be the leader of my life. And you know what? If you say that, you might not feel a zap right now. You might not feel goosebumps right now, but you might. But my guess is that somewhere down the road, something's going to feel different. Something will feel different. And you just might look at life and look at people In a different way. You might have compassion 
about a situation or about a person that you've never had before that kind of just surprises yourself. Or you might experience forgiveness where the chains that you've been having for all these years are gone. We encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, today's the day. You can pray from your seats. Back in the back of the auditorium on that side, there are people who would like to pray with you about accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life. Be bold. Go out, th- go up there and let somebody pray that with you. Our prayer is that when people see you, they'll be able to answer that question that we ask. Yes, the living God is alive because I see Jesus through you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that, wow, you breathed us into being and you wired us in a way that there's this this void inside that can only be filled by you. And thank you, Lord, for piercing our darkness and bringing light into our lives, forgiveness where it didn't seem possible, relationships mending when all hope was lost, healing when that was not possible. Lord, thank you for your son who rose from the grave and who lives and breathes today. Thank you for our chance today to worship and praise your risen name. Let us not waste a moment as we leave this place to show others, to tell others of the good news, if not through our words, through our actions. We thank you and praise you that Jesus is alive. We pray this in the risen Christ's name and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.